Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. everybody today is what are you doing (laughs) helping you because you weren't ready i was ready i gave you the thumbs up oh i didn't see your thumbs up i just saw you frantically trying to get your shit together good morning welcome to the real estate everybody (laughs) good morning vietnam do you need me to buy you some more time? No. Okay. You're such a shit. <laughs> Hi, everyone. It's Tuesday, August 9th, and we're going to have a high of 23 degrees here in the Edmonton area today. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we're broadcasting live because uh, we would have never planned that. <laughs> We would have definitely edited that out. Broadcasting live as you do every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Mountain Time. You can join in live on the Podbean app. Just got to download that app and uh, search up the Real Estate Investing Morning Show, and then you get to listen in live with us. You get to join in on the conversation on the app. There's a whole chat box. There is a call-in button. You can call in, um, even though it glitches out like crazy, and Podbean can't seem to fix it. Shout out to our big platform, Podbean. <laughs> I know you're listening. Thank you for making it hard to hear when people call in. Don't fuck with me. I'll shame you. <laughs> no, I mean, they're trying. He wasn't just talking to Podbean. <laughs> just in general. Just in general. <laughs> Don't fuck with the media. The media will fuck you. <laughs> okay. Easy on, easy on the F-bombs. Uh, yeah, we're only two minutes and 30 seconds in. Yeah. Is that three already? <laughs> I heard there's children listening. Yeah. I was cornered at a folk fest by one of your children. And uh, we talked about Wayne's F-bombs that he hears every morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's um there's a, there's a particular person here. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm just trying to figure out, uh, just trying to find them. Just give me two seconds. Uh, There is a listener that joins in um, every day, I think, or at least yesterday. The listener's name on the live chat is Q-I-X-Y-Z-Y-G-S-U. Tried to call in yesterday. Mm -hmm. Tried to call in today. If um, if your name's not there, I'm just assuming that you're just someone who's coming on the show just to spam us. So I'm not going to answer your request to call in. And until as you well, change your name. until you change your name and I know you're a real person and not just, we've had some weirdos come on the show in the past. So I just, uh, unless there's a name and I somewhat recognize you, 
and it doesn't look like you have some sort of an agenda on our live show, I'm not going to answer. So um, I love it when people call in, but at the same time, I'm a little skeptical of who you are because I don't see you typing anything in the chat either. So I need to figure out how to do it. So sorry. Okay. Who are you? Wilson says sus. very <laughs> sus. <clears throat> um, Just tell us who you are and then try to call in. Who again. are you? God dang it. <laughs> um, you know what? I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors, DCI Properties. Yes, let's do it. Uh, so there's no secret. The key to making money in real estate is buying at the right price. And one of the best ways you can do that is by working with a professional and established wholesaling company like DCI Properties. DCI Properties operates in Southwest Ontario, Calgary, and Edmonton, and has successfully assigned over 350 properties to date. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Why pay retail on MLS when you can save thousands buying off market? To get on their buyer's list for Alberta deals, visit www.dciproperties.ca slash Alberta buyers. Or for Ontario deals, go to www.dciproperties.ca slash buyers. You know who's not sus? Who? DCI Properties. They're definitely not sus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I love wholesalers. Um, but I know there's a lot of skepticism around wholesaling and and let's be honest, there. Um, I know a lot of great wholesalers in our market mm -hmm. and across Canada. Uh, DCR is definitely the biggest outfit in Canada. Yeah. And the fact that they've done so many and the fact that they treat it like a business and it is a business. Yeah. Um, can can really give you that sense of trust um, that a lot of people lack in the wholesaling community. Yeah. Um, Trust needs to be built. Um, if you're a you know a new wholesaler, I'll just be honest. Like if I see a new wholesaler, automatically my guard is up. Like I'm just going to assume that they they didn't properly analyze the property. They they did they didn't pull the most correct comps because they're trying to just show the best you know uh, the best version of the deal so they can just sell it quickly and be done with it and I never have to see it again. Mm -hmm. That's not the case with DCI, right? So, and I also like that it's not just like fix and flip like you know, rehab properties that they, that they pick up. They also get cash flowing properties as well. So, yeah. you know, if you're looking for cash flowing properties um, and you don't like, if you're trying to go on the MLS, you're going to be fighting, you know what I mean? Fighting with other investors off market properties. Um, you're saving, you're not paying realtor fees and as well, they're getting good deals. So you're probably getting a good cash flowing property with like 30, 40, 50 K off. That means that you don't need to go into the MLS and do all the negotiating. They already did it for you. Right. So, that's just my little uh, two cents on that. I just, I know a lot of people, they, they really don't know a whole lot about wholesaling. Um, they would much rather just trust my realtor, but I think that it's, you know, um, give them a chance and go, you know, join their buyer's list at the very least, just join their buyer's list. Yeah, and see what's coming through. See what deals are coming through. Take a peek at it, analyze it for yourself, have your realtor help analyze it um, and um, and see what it's all about. Cause I, I, I check them out every day and mm -hmm. I just bought a property off of them just recently. And I'm taking possession of it on Monday. Yep. And that's actually what we're going to sign today. Yes. Uh, we're going to sign for that property today. Um, you might see some pictures of tacos. I don't even know if we have time for tacos today. I don't think so. No time for tacos. <laughs> that was my third album. That was my third album. <sighs> my mariachi band back in high school. <laughs> no time for tacos. <laughs> that one was okay. 
my mom was okay. I <laughs> I did one of those jokes last night. I can't remember what it was about. Uh, and and Everly's getting oh her my daughter. God, she is so she's annoyed. getting to the age where it's like, Dad, shut up. <laughs> she's seven. And I'm starting I, she's she's starting to hate my dad jokes. Um <laughs> Uh, yes, we're going to sign um, uh, paperwork for that property. Um, DCI sent it out um, to the list, and I saw it, so it was an amazing opportunity. I jumped on it, pounced on it. Um, yeah, so they, they do have good deals. Yeah. And um, actually, um, what's today, Tuesday? Yes. Ryan, the CEO of DCI Properties, actually coming on the show tomorrow. Oh, nice. Yep. So he's going to talk about um, wholesaling and stuff like that. I think it's I think it's good. Like everything I was just mentioning right there, um, I was talking uh, with them about, and you know, just like I, I know that in order for people um, to to trust something, you know, they're going to just need a little bit of education. So I asked if Ryan would come on the show and talk about wholesaling and talk about you know, what to look for in a wholesaler and how do you know you got a good deal and um, how to analyze properties as well, just to make sure that you're, you know, that you're not getting scammed. So Ryan's going to come on tomorrow, the CEO of DCI Properties, and he's going to talk about um, their business and also um, just wholesaling in general and what they do. I think awesome. it's pretty cool. Awesome, awesome. So that's coming up tomorrow. Um, so Q-I-X-Z-Y-G-S-U. His name is my name too. Uh, I jump on the call <laughs> while getting kids ready for the day and off to work. But who didn't reveal who they are? Are you? <laughs> Do you remember, like, for the longest time, we didn't know who Pete Repeat was? Yes. And then Pete Repeat came out to our one of our cabin retreats. Yeah. And he's like one of the nicest, coolest dudes. <laughs> Just under an alias. <laughs> Just under an alias. Didn't want to show his real name, and just. <laughs> we found out what Pete's real name was and he's just the, the, the loveliest person cool just dude. the nicest coolest dude Yeah, and got to spend a whole weekend with him that was so cool <laughs> so now we need to figure out who this QIX is um, <laughs> wow that was funny um, what else upcoming events upcoming events I'm just going through uh, comments Upcoming comments. Mm-hmm. Upcoming comments. Uh, upcoming events. Well, <clears throat> this Saturday, this Saturday, August 13th. From, from 2, 2 to 5 p.m. To 5 p.m. Says my little sticky note that Gabby put on my, uh, my, my monitor for me. We have our fix and flip uh, investor meetup networking event. Uh, that is in Calgary in Lake Bonavista. Um, Jared will be, Jared Como will be hosting, hosting that one there. Um, come on out and check out the fix and flip that we just uh, picked up in Calgary. It's, um, just getting past the demolition stage right now. Gutted. Gutted. Um, should be finished being gutted by Saturday. Yes. We're just, okay. Uh, Well, I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about this or not, but we, you know, we had a little, we, we, we tested for asbestos and there's asbestos in the walls, So. Now we find out if we disturb the walls, then uh, they need to be suited up. So we're just waiting to find out <clears throat> what the process costs. is going to be, what the remedi- remediation is going to look like, and whether it's going to be safe to have at um, on Saturday. So we'll find out probably within the next 6 to 12 hours 
And um, if it needs to be rescheduled, then we'll reschedule to next Saturday. But mm-hmm. um, plan to be there for Saturday. Um, we had about 40, 50 people last time. Yeah. Um, looking forward to seeing more people there. Um, I might make it up or down, up, down, down, down to Calgary. <laughs> I might. Just going to have to see um, uh, how many fires are still um, simmering. Uh, in our business, uh, it's just nonstop fires these days. So I, I kind of, I've been, I've been busy. I've been nonstop for the last two weeks. I've never worked this much in my life. Not even when I had a job. I've never worked <laughs> as much in my life, and it's terrible. This is not what I signed up for. Um, but if I can, if I can manage to get everything under control and get this wildfire under control, then I might, uh, I might uh, swing down there um, on Saturday. I want to. I really want to. Yeah. I really want to see everybody. It was really nice to to see a bunch of people that I'd never, you know, met in person before. And there were plenty that I saw that I wanted to chat with as well. Yeah. It was just too much. Yeah. Um, Cody asked a really great question. So let's get back to it um, after we finish upcoming events. Sure. You want to keep, keep to an eye on that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we got that coming up on Saturday. And then. Uh... Oh. Have you heard the good word? <laughs> Have you heard about um, the advanced fix and flip workshop on August 20th? What's that? Tell me more. <laughs> I should have had commercials made up for it. Yeah. <laughs> if I had more time. People, really super cheesy one. <laughs> so we're just going to, we're just going to, we're just going to create our own right now. <laughs> um, I know that a very large percentage of you really want to fix and flip properties. I know that. I've done my research. <laughs> I also know that there is like no fix and flip course in freaking Canada. Not just Edmonton, not just Calgary, not just Alberta, in Canada. And we had a completely different events workshop planned for this month. Uh, but there's the demand and, and the cry for help for this was just a little too overwhelming. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many times we talk about it on the morning show and how many times we talk about it, you know, in our Friday live trainings, it's just not quite enough to give people the confidence in order to go and take action and buy their first fix and flip property or their second. So what we're going to do is we've decided to do an advanced fix and flip workshop on August 20th. It's online. So you don't have to be in person in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. It's from 9am till 5pm. And we're going to dive deep into fix and flip um, and building a business, how to analyze properties, how to run comparables, how to how much it's going to cost for everything. Um, how do you know you got a good deal? How to build your power team? Everything, everything, landmines to look out for. We're going to dive very, very deep. We've got some really amazing guest speakers coming on as well. Um, it's co-hosted by Barry McGuire and his focus series. Um, I, I, I mean... It, I know what people need in order to take action mm-hmm. and that's what we're building. Yeah. That's what we built. This is for you guys. This yeah. is for you guys. So do not miss out on the opportunity. Uh, we are offering a $500 discount to our loyal listeners on the morning show. Yeah. Um, there is a limited amount of coupons. I've explained that already. I know that there are some still left, but there are a limited amount. Uh, $500 off. You got to use the coupon code morning show, all caps. Okay. Yeah. If you really want it, then go to the workshop, okay? 
based on how things have been going so far, I don't think that asking questions every morning for fix and flips is enough to take action. Yeah. I haven't seen enough people take action. We've been talking about fix and flips since last summer. Mm-hmm. How many people have actually implemented it? How a, many people have wanted to do it? A small handful compared to a crap ton. How many you? networking <laughs> events have we had at our fix and flips and people were like, I really want to do it. I really want to do it. I really want to do it. Tons. We're giving you $500 off guys. Like it's, it's, this is, this is your opportunity. Okay. The bus is out front. Get on the bus. Otherwise the bus will leave. And then you're going to come in here and be like, Oh, I really wish I would have done that. I'm just I telling the you. bus mom. Well, walk. <laughs> okay. So. I and you. if you can't make it on Saturday, August 20th, mm-hmm. it'll be recorded and we'll send it out to you. Yes. Just shoot, sign up, shoot us an email saying, I can't be there in person. Can you make sure I get the recording? What else could we possibly do to make this any easier? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I really love? What? <laughs> I just love that little, yeah. uh, is that a piccolo? Yeah. Flute. No, it's a flute. It's mm-hmm. got to be a flute. Seems a little high pitched for a flute. That's why I, I would have said flute until you said piccolo. Then I'm like, yeah, piccolo. <laughs> Let us know in the comments. Name that instrument. Uh, yes, we got that coming up. So that's uh, August twentieth. Oh, hey Jared, you uh, you can't move if you have to move the uh, meetup uh, from this Saturday. Don't move it to next Saturday. <laughs> Do midweek. Uh, huh? Do a weekday. Do a weekday. Yeah. yeah, I'd be down for a weekday. <laughs> Um, okay. What do we got in the comments here? Uh, Jeremy had something, something. Um, oh, um, Cody's question. Are you done with upcoming events? I reckon so. Okay. So Cody asks, uh, what signs made you check for asbestos mm. in the new house? So there's, <clears throat> there's definitely some general rules that, um, can be followed. I know that Kathleen put one of them in the comments here that generally, um, if it's built before 1989, there's a good chance there might be some. Um, But also, like, honestly, a great contractor or a great demo team, like the professionals are going to know. They're Mm -hmm. going to tell you we need to check for it Mm -hmm. um, before we, you know, start smashing into walls and scraping popcorn and, and ripping up. Um, specific types of floors. Yeah, they're going to know that, and for their protection, they're going to want to check for it, right? Exactly. Well, for everyone's protection. Yes, anybody who walks through those doors. So, yeah, um, that's like I, I wanted to mention that. That yes, there's like there's there's things you know, like if it's built before 1989, blah blah blah, like those types of things. Mm-hmm. But um, also trusting in the professionals and um, that they know what they're doing. Yeah, like old old materials, old tiles, um, ceiling, um, you know, popcorn um, and drywall uh, walls. Um, It was it was used a lot. Yeah, you know, um, it was common. Seventy years ago, eighty years ago, Um, and and it actually it kind of makes me think. Like of all the times we've done renovations before, because we've done lots of renovations, um, and not all of our crews have requested it. Yeah, and some of them just went for it. And then at the same time, you see families 
you know, young families, older families doing their own home renovations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, we're just going to open up this wall or we're going to create a window in this wall or we're going to redo this kitchen or we're going to, you know, um, scrape the ceiling and um, and we're going to have a flat ceiling. And it is it's just so rare for people to actually ask the question, yeah. you know, maybe we should get it tested. Um, so our demolition company requested it. Um, not a lot of our contractors do. We've, we've had, um, I can think of a small handful that we've, that have been tested. We've actually been really lucky, like lots of negatives where they thought for sure that there might've been. Yeah. Well, we have. Um, yeah. But at the same time, we we leave it to our crews. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's up to them, but then at the same time, like, I, going in there. I don't know. Just like having, I, I got a conscience, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is it really worth it for them? It's not one of those things just like, ah, fuck it. You know what uh, I mean? To like, be honest, I, I don't ever think about it until we're being told that it's being tested. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, it's like, it's not something people think about. Um, and what's, what's it called? The disease? It was like mesopha. Oh, they used to see them all over the work sites. Meso uh mesothelioma mesothelioma yeah it's not cool i don't know if you've ever seen like the pictures stuff like that it's just like it's not cool it's actually fucking terrifying and then like you know people die and shit uh anyways i just like i don't think it's worth it like if our handy like if our if our contractors are nah whatever i'll just do it and i'll just put a mask on if they did that i just i wouldn't feel very good about it at the same time like knowing that like we have other people coming through like when it's up and it's exp- like when it's been disturbed not like a meetup i mean like we definitely wouldn't do that um we'll you know make sure that it has the proper time to you know what i mean yeah. that they do the, the proper process but you know like if i was bringing my kid through you know what i mean yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, just like, hey, let's go check out the updates and the renovations and stuff. And they take a wall down. It kind of makes you think about like how many times we kind of been around something like that. And yeah, and then we never tested it. So and then but at the same time, it's like I'm not the evil one. I mean, literally, how many times have you seen aunts, uncles and friends and and people just like doing renovations for themselves at home and they never checked it. Mm -hmm. And it's only a couple hundred bucks to check it. You just take a sample, you send it off. Yeah. And they come back and they let you know. So, yeah, we only found it in the walls. We didn't find it in any other areas. The ceiling was good, and it's just the walls. Um, so you just got to be careful. It's it's not like it's fine. I don't know how much people know about asbestos, but, like, it's fine so long as it's not disturbed, right? Yeah. Leave yeah. it alone. Identify it. It's fine. But when you want to remove it, then you need to need to make sure that um it's properly disposed like you're probably masked up and everything else and suited up and then it's 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 disposed of correctly um because it's scary shit yeah um was there any follow-ups to that uh uh so i think sorry i scrolled down then I, it's kind of there's tons of uh comments here so um somebody asked if home inspectors are supposed to check for asbestos as well um no uh unless I mean, like, even if you ask them to, that's not really their job. Like, it gets sent off for specialized testing. Mm-hmm. So I can't see a home inspector doing that process no, for you. No. Um, uh, you can, contractors are... You can do it during your due diligence, right? You can have, you can have you could yourself or 
Um, you can request that it be tested for asbestos. I mean, like, I'm still waiting on quotes to find out how bad this is going to be for like, not how bad this can be, how much it's going to cost to. Yeah. Um, to Just cover. to properly remediate. Yeah. And, and we'll let you know when we figure it out. I, this is, this is all kind of new in Calgary. Um, we're going to find out how much that's going to cost, but you know, if you, if it's reasonable, then, you know, just add it into the cost of doing the renovation. It's not going to be, it's not going to ruin a renovation, but, um, I mean, you could probably request to have a sample taken for your due diligence when you're, when you're, when you're looking at buying a property, when you got an offer in, wouldn't be terrible. Congrats to uh, to Josh. It sounds like Josh uh, in the comments here just officially got his first contract in hand yesterday. Clock is ticking to remove conditions now. Congrats. That's awesome. What else we got in the comments going on here today? Lots of people here today. I know. Lots of people. Uh, Ken says it's a pan flute with the newt, the centaur. What? Is that what the song was? The Newt, the Centaur. I'm just going to Google you. Just keep talking about it. <laughs> I don't even... Man, there's so many comments. I don't even know where you are. <laughs> Holy man, you guys. Definitely a banjo, somebody says. I don't know. Fiddle? I, I see who Newt, the Centaur is. Um, it's, 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 it looks like a character from The Mighty Hercules, which is a, a very older cartoon. I have no idea what the heck he's talking about. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> um, Ryan asked, none of your other houses has asbestos? We test for all of them, actually, um, in Edmonton. Uh, we've never run into any. Yeah. Uh, even some of the really older ones, uh, we'd never had any issues. Anytime we're removing a wall or scraping a ceiling or anything like that, we get it tested. But I was just saying, like, way back, you know, years ago, we never... When we had smaller crews and we were doing less renovations, um, I don't, I don't remember. I remember one particular house where there was some concern, um, and I think we had it tested. But yeah, in Melwoods. Yeah. It it was the flooring. I can't remember it the lino. They were worried about pulling the lino up. The lino. Yeah. I'm not supposed to yawn on the show. No, you're not. That was, rude. That was a big nasty yawn. That's rude. <sighs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Kathleen says it is espos, asbestosis, asbest, asbestosis. They say it's asbestosis. I say it's mesothelioma. There's probably uh, a multitude Different. of things that can happen to you from asbestosis exposure. Um, I would imagine. Yeah, Jeremy says it sticks to your clothes and you can bring it home with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, what else we got going on in the comments here? There's not much to talk about today. We were just, we were just thinking about it before the show. Um, uh, Kirsten asked, it was in the wall that was hammered. That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I believe it was, it was one of the other walls that we were, um, I think we're extending the doors, the the doors, the closets. Uh, Do we, are we? Yeah, because they're they're taking the frame out and they're putting in new frames. Yes, yeah, so they were concerned. Widening it. Yeah, yeah, the widening. I have no clue. Yeah, yeah. This all just kind of came up yesterday, so I'm not 100 percent sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get you that information. Ken says from the cartoon Hercules. What does what does the centaur have to do 
Is that is that the? Ah, it doesn't matter. Newt rocked the pan flute back in the day. Okay, <laughs> okay, gotcha. Um, Wilson says, what do you think of adding in law basement suites for flips? Numbers. Run what, the numbers. What do the numbers say? What do the comps say? Ask your, that is, yeah, it's, it's not, that's a very general question. You need to talk to your realtor and you need comparables and then run the numbers. If yeah. it's worth adding in the extra cabinets and the appliances, which by the way, cabinets and appliances are uh, two big expenditures, two big expenditures. You're looking at you're like with you know setting up plumbing and drainage and everything else i would say you're probably getting close to 10 grand extra just to make it a non-conforming in-law suite yeah so make sure that you got good comps yeah and um i just i love that with flips like you can just be so adaptable um is adaptable a word yeah yeah adaptable yeah. it just sounded funny when it came out <laughs> it's like did i just add a couple say it really slow adaptable i just wanted to make you do it okay um anyways so yeah wilson adds extra exit strategies too exactly kind of what i'm getting at is that um for instance uh we have a flip that had an in-law um suite mm -hmm. and we were fully anticipating on just like redoing it making it prettier um updating the cabinets and appliances and stuff and obviously doing what we do to the rest of the space um, but as time went on and market shifts and stuff, we reevaluated and talked to our realtor and mm -hmm. reran comps mm -hmm. and looked at what the um, what the ARV would be with the in-law suite compared to with uh, just having that as a fifth bedroom instead. So we could have either had four, uh, three bedrooms up and one bedroom down with a kitchen. Mm -hmm in law suite, so not legalized, or we could have just made five bedrooms in a, a nice big house. Yeah. And so it turned out that at that time with the market shifts, the fifth bedroom was the better option. It was a lower ARV, but for the money that we would have had to put in to get the in-law suite, mm -hmm. we would have been out more. So we adapted and we switched and we're adding a fifth bedroom. So in that circumstance, we already had all the plumbing and everything in place. It was just, it was just literally adding the cabinets and the appliances and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's something you need to consider with the in-law suite is that if it does, if it isn't already set up for it, that's a lot of extra plumbing, electrical, getting that all set up right. for the space. Right. So. Uh, yeah. Jeremy wants to call in. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second here. I just want to, when Jeremy does call in, um, again, we are experiencing some technical difficulties with our audio, so we can't hear ourselves. So we'll get Jeremy to call in. He can ask his question, and then we'll mute him, so that way you can hear both of us. Yeah, um, that's, that'll be the standard moving forward. <laughs> and so we can get this rectified. Um, okay, invite Jeremy in here. And let us know if anything happens with the audio, please. Good morning. Can you guys hear me okay? Pretty quiet as you always are. <laughs> Sounds fair. I'm actually going to be typing out my questions here as well. So I'm currently negotiating a VTB on, from the MLS deal I'm working on uh, that I'm going to need some partners for pretty soon. Uh, my, my first question is, what's the difference between an AFS and a VTB? Why are VTBs not more common on the MLS? And what are some of the complications of using seller financing on the MLS? 
Can I read back? Yeah, I just uh, just wait a second until our audio comes back in. It's so inconsistent. Yeah, could, could you guys hear the question? Um, it was quiet on our end. Jeremy said he's going to type it out as well. But um, basically asking the difference between VTBs and AFSs and um, then asking about um, why VTBs aren't more common on the MLS. Hmm. Gotcha. So um, do you want to do a quick VTB versus AFS? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the diff, well, the difference, the difference is, and, and, and if it's a pretty complicated strategy, I don't, I don't like to educate too, too much on the podcast about, um, these strategies. Cause I think you need to take a course. Um, I don't like giving people enough and then they go and try and implement it and then they don't do it properly. This is one of those ones that just, just get the education and do it right. Get the right contracts. Um, if you want to get the education, uh, Barry McGuire is putting on a course on September 24th in Edmonton on the south side of Edmonton and the Delta Hotel, I believe. Um, and I can get you a discount code for that. Um, I'll be there. Gabby will be there. We'll be we're part of the focus team. Um, and we'll teach you all about it. Okay. And the differences between AFS and BTB and we'll go much, much deeper. But for today, um, agreement for sale is a seller financing strategy, as is vendor take back mortgages. Uh, I'll start with vendor take back mortgages. So VTBs uh, is a done sale, except what the seller is doing is they are providing you a take back mortgage. So they're going to give you they're going to give you uh, some of their equity back in the form of a mortgage after you've completed the sale. So in years ago, years ago, they, some mortgage lenders would allow the seller to finance your down payment for you. Some mortgage lenders would allow the seller to finance your down payment for you, meaning that the seller would be like, hey, I'll sell you this property for 300000 and I will give you a vendor take back mortgage of 60,000 to cover your 20% down payment. So you would go to your bank and say, hi, I need a $240,000 mortgage. And you would show that the seller is providing the $60,000 to close on the property. And then they would give you the mortgage and everything would be good. So you would have a first position mortgage that is for 240. Uh, okay. And then behind that, there would be a $60,000 mortgage with the seller. And you would make payments to your mortgage lender and you would also make payments to your seller, right? And you would negotiate the interest rates, et cetera. And the title would be in your name, okay? They don't allow that anymore. Um, but VTB still can be used maybe in a situation where, say, the seller has no mortgage on the property and you're going to buy it for $300,000. Uh, you can negotiate with the seller and say, hey, I'll give you $60,000 down and I want you to finance the other $240,000, and I'll give you a 5% interest rate. And the seller says, sure. So you bring the $60,000 to the seller, and then the seller will put a vendor take-back mortgage in first position on the property for $240,000 at 5% and whatever your mortgage payments are for that. And the seller will become your bank. And in that situation with the vendor take-back mortgage, title would be in your name, okay? So that kind of explains how vendor take-back mortgages work. It's when a seller provides you financing with actual cash. Mm -hmm. They have to have equity or cash in order to lend to you in order for it to work. Okay. Agree? Yeah. May I throw just one thing in there? Vendor take-back mortgages can be great um, for flips or for burrs 
because Wayne just mentioned the title is in your name. Mm -hmm. So at the end of it, it's it can be easier to uh, do your final transaction, either selling it with a flip or or refinancing it. So it can make it a little bit easier than an agreement for sale. Yeah, agreement for sales is actually um, my favorite strategy. Talked about it a lot. An agreement for sale, no equity or cash is required to lend for the seller financing. And again, you're going to need a course to really thoroughly understand this. This took me a long time. I'm a visual person, but I'll try my best to, to explain it uh, through audio. With VTB, you had to have equity or cash to lend your, your buyer in order to give the mortgage. With an agreement for sale, it's not the same. An agreement for sale, you... You're essentially creating a brand new mortgage document. Okay. So you've got your your seller has their house, right? Let's say they have a two hundred and forty thousand dollar mortgage on it. Okay. The house is worth three hundred thousand dollars. You come up to the seller and say, Hey, seller, I'd like to buy your home, but I'd like to close at a later date. Okay. I'd like you to carry the financing for me for five years. And what you do is you just write up an agreement for sale mortgage contract. That stipulates that you know you are going to take possession of this property right now. You're going to give it to deposits, and you're going to make payments to them, and they're going to take those payments, and they're going to make their payments on their mortgage. The more they're they're going to keep their mortgage and the title in their name. You're going to take possession of the property today, and you have your own mortgage with that seller, which is completely separate to that. But you're going to make payments to them. They take the payments. They make it to their mortgage, and then in five years you will finally close. Okay. Did that click? Be I, I, I'll be honest, I zoned out. You know, normally <laughs> I use a much simpler approach to agreeing for sales, but it's hard when you're comparing it to vendor take-back yeah. mortgages. It's a different explanation when you're comparing the differences. The difference is, is the most, the, the most common difference is that with an agreement for sale, the title stays in the seller's name. Okay. The title stays in the seller's name. And as well, if the seller has a mortgage, the mortgage stays in their name as well. Yeah. But you get all the benefits of mortgage pay down, appreciation, and cash flow. Yeah. Okay. So the seller doesn't need to have, you know, all of that equity to lend to you. They the seller could be actually, they could have a three hundred thousand dollar house and owe three hundred thousand dollars, and they can still provide you financing for a period of time. Yeah. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah. So it's, they're passing on their they're passing on their existing um, mortgage qualify, qualifiability. Like, so they already have their mortgage in place and they're just like kind of lending it to you. Yeah. Like, Hey, I already have this mortgage. Why don't you just kind of take it over, but not not uh, taking it over, over, but like, yeah. You need a course. Yeah. All right. Again, I'm trying not to, uh, there's actually Gabby, there's been a lot of people um, posting in our local group saying, I've got agreement for sale deals who wants them. And mm-hmm. I know for a fact that person has not taken a course. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people recently saying, Oh my gosh, I just found an agreement for sale deal. Can someone help me analyze it? I'm like, yeah, please do yeah. your diligence. And, um, and Ali asks in the comments here, what happens if a seller doesn't make payments? There's, you could, there's measures that you put in place to ensure that you, that you can be in charge of making sure payments are made. So course. again, yeah, it's the education is needed to put those things in place so that you're not in a position where you're handing the seller money and they're 
pocketing it or doing yeah. whatever. Yeah. There's so many different uh, ways to, like Gabby said, to ensure that that gets done properly to make sure that everybody does what they're supposed to do. And yeah. then it's, it ends um, successfully. Yeah. Right. Uh, we've done a, we've done a ton of agreement for sale uh, deals. We still hold them. Um, we sold some by way of agreement for sale. We've actually had properties that we have sold with agreement for sale. It's mm -hmm. not just for motivated sellers. There's actually really cool ways that um, you can make more money by selling your rental properties with seller financing. Mm -hmm. um, but the main difference between VTB and AFS is that VTB title is in your name. AFS title is in the seller's name. Yeah. Okay. And so was there a follow-up question to that? Yeah. So uh, why aren't VTBs more common on the MLS? Uh, well, people need equity to lend. Yeah. That's the most common thing is that people need a significant amount of equity to lend. And as I mentioned earlier, back in the day, 20 years ago, you know, you could, if you had $60,000 worth of equity, you could, you can lend that $60,000 so that the person who's buying it has a down payment and the mortgage lender would have considered that to be their 20% down payment. They don't allow that anymore because they want to make sure that the buyers have skin in the game, that they have at least 20% yeah. um, skin in the game because they want to make sure that they're not, they're not over leveraged. Yeah. There was uh, something big happened in 2007, 2008 which kind of ruined that all for everybody. Uh, can I also add to that, that uh, the majority of, okay, so uh, Jeremy just threw a stat in here of something that I was going to talk about. So he says 34% of homes in Canada have no mortgages on them, which to me is crazy. That's a, a pretty big number. Mm -hmm. But when we think about, I mean, and I can't speak facts here, but when I think of who are those people that have no mortgages on their homes, mm -hmm. They're, they're probably an older generation, the majority of them, yeah, not all, they, lots they, of, lots of young kids, like just are, you know, out there and did the excelled, accelerated yeah. pay down and all that kind of stuff and have paid off houses. But I would, I would say that a good majority of those people are an older generation. And what is the most common, um, the common way of thinking of older generations of you you pay off your house, you mm -hmm. have no a good, debts. no debts, um, money in the bank for the rainy day. And, um, you know, everything kind of like con conservative, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's, I would say, uh, another large portion of why it's not more common on the MLS is lack of education or lack of mindset being that if I sell this, I can get a huge chunk of money in my bank account. And this is my retirement yeah. versus I could lend this out and make that money work for me and make more money. But there's, there's a, an education gap there that needs to be, you know, that needs to happen in order for people to get on board with that. Yeah. So I would say that for, for the general population, VTB probably isn't a common, it's like, what's that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, so yeah, it's not common. So not a lot of realtors are explaining this to their sellers, right? Yeah. Um, in most cases, realtors aren't really asking how much do you have on your mortgage or do you have a mortgage on this property? They may sometimes, um, but they're not asking, Hey, how much you got left in your mortgage? You know, when, when someone says, Hey, I want to sell my property, it's not very common. And because of that, they probably don't even know that they don't have a mortgage on it. And then, you know, most realtors aren't familiar enough with, you know, VTBs to say like, Hey, I bet you can get a lot more money if you offered a VTB. Right. So maybe only investor focused realtors are going to 
I imagine that to someone. I imagine that a realtor would also want to be careful with that too, because they're in a sense advising their client that they should invest, to invest in their that. money. Very, right? yeah. So there might also be, you know. So there you go right there. And then obviously the seller's not going to have a general understanding of that unless they're a sophisticated real estate investor. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why it's it's not very common. Yeah. Um, and most people are just like, nah, no, I just want my money out. So, yeah. um, you know, is it possible? Yes, but... If you're on the ML, see, it's a lot easier when when you're when it's off market because you know you the investor are talking with the yeah. seller. Hey, well, let's let's work on something. Hey, would you would you be interested in doing seller financing? It's not so common when on the MLS. If you ask your realtor to ask the other realtor to ask the seller, hey, would you be interested in seller financing? They're just gonna be like, no, I just want my money out. I'm not interested in anything. Yeah, there's no that. opportunity for education. No, so. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be common. It's a little more common in like, you know, commercial um, and multifamily deals and that type of thing, because, you know, those properties are going to be sitting on the market for some time. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be they'll be on the market for years before they actually move. And you need to create a, you know, a creative solution or, or, or a little incentive for someone to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if the, um, the cap rate's not exactly what you know, people are looking for, it's not in the most desirable area, you can add a VTB to kind of help out with that. Um, and the mortgage rules are a little more flexible in that, in that sector, as opposed to residential. So yeah, that's, that's ultimately why it's not so common. Um, I think that it's easier to do an agreement for sale than it is to do a VTB for residential on the MLS. But well, there's there because are, there's more opportunity. There's more people with mortgages than there are with paid without, off, right? Yeah. So there, you can you could approach essentially anybody about an AFS. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas VTB has to be a specific person with a paid off house that or you need to a significant at. amount of equity. Yeah. yeah, but then at that particular point, and I've never really understood that. Like, let's say for example, it's a three hundred thousand dollar house, and. Um, Let's say they owe one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. And you ask them for a VTB for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and you're going to pay them five percent interest. Why? Why? Why not? I mean, you still have to put a down payment, anyways, right? Mm-hmm. You still have to come up with a down payment because you got to you got to qualify for the other one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And the mortgage lender is going to require you to have at least twenty percent equity in the purchase, mm-hmm. so that. Even if you get a VTB for $150,000, the mortgage lender is still going to ask you to come up with $60,000. Yeah. Which means that they're only going to be lending you $90,000, right? TD is only going to be lending you $90,000 in that portion at probably 4 or 5%. So what's the point? Why wouldn't you just put 20% down $60,000 and just get your whole two hundred and forty? from the bank and not have to deal with this whole complicated thing with the V there's no value in the VTB. Mm-hmm. There's zero value in it for you. Yeah, and you usually pay more interest. And you usually pay more interest because you need to offer some sort of an incentive to the seller. So what's the point? Yeah. Right. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, Ooh, look, I got a VTB. I'm like, okay, cool. Why didn't you just get it from the bank? Would have been so much easier. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know, people do what people do. <laughs> Um, we did a, we did a VTB yes, we did. and, uh, 
and that was a good deal and burn it and there was incentive yes because we couldn't get a mortgage on it yes because the house wasn't habitable and no one would give us a mortgage on it Mm -hmm. so we needed a vtb and we shared that with the seller that we they were not going to be able to get. Well, they weren't going to be able to sell their house like yeah. who, unless somebody came with all cash, right? Unless someone comes with all cash. And and to be honest, I don't even know if like a private lender would lend on that either. It's a very risky yeah. property when yeah. it's not habitable. Yeah. When AHS had it shut down for not un, uninhabitable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we leveraged that in order to get some really good uh, VTV terms. We got it for... I want to say like 7% down with a 3% interest rate, interest only payments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we were able to refinance it afterwards. It was great. Um, originally, we looked at like an agreement for sale, but then we realized that they had no mortgage on it. Mm-hmm. So they just wanted us to have a little bit of skin in the game. So we put like 7 or 6% down. Um, and we got it at pretty much land value. And because it was uninhabitable. <laughs> and then we rectified the issue with AHS and we got that all fixed up. Open for business. Open for business. We we Early renovated it, had a secondary suite, and then we refinanced it. We burned it. Yeah. Um it was one of our best properties. So VTVs can work, but that was an off market deal. And we had something to leverage and it made sense. You know what I mean? It it made sense. I, I paid slightly higher interest rate, but you know, I couldn't go to a conventional lender because they wouldn't lend to me anyways. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a cool option to have, um, you know, and it's, it's beneficial to the seller as well. Like if they have it paid off and they want to make some extra money instead of having a fat chunk of cash sitting in their bank account doing nothing. Well, yeah, that's, that's. Yeah. It's, for, it's a, an amazing opportunity. Anyone with a seller. brain would understand that, yeah. but. Some people just don't trust it. You're a stranger to someone, right? Yeah. You're a stranger. You're coming along in your 2014 Corolla coming up <laughs> and being like, hi, I'd like to buy your house. And I'd like you to, I want you to be the bank for me and I'll pay you 5% interest rate. Don't worry. I'll make my payments. Give your head a shake. Like it's, it doesn't look very good. If someone came up to you and offered you that some 22 year old in their 2014 Corolla, I mean, would you say yes? No, like this person clearly doesn't know what they're doing. You know, I'm typically you judge people by, you know, how they show up. Think about that today. Think about how you're showing up in the world. Um, your vehicle, your clothes, your demeanor, the way you talk, uh, your social media presence. How do people identify you? What's the first impression? you're a 22 year old coming up with a you know an average car which is nothing trust me i'm the last person to try and impress people with a car trust me um but you have to consider it because that's how people are judging you mm-hmm. and I, I certainly wouldn't sell with seller financing to someone there needs you, to be trust somebody's needs- not just going to be like oh okay some rando wants to do vtb okay sure what the hell's a vtb i mean at least i know what a vtb is but the seller is probably some 50, 55 year old person who just has, they just want their money out. You know what I mean? They want to, I'm sure they've got something dumb that they want to buy with it. A camper and they want to drive across the country or something like that. Um, you know, I really want to take on my wife on some, uh, some trips. I told her I'd take her to Ireland and Switzerland. So 
I also think that's a common uh, situation for um, the older generation in that in that circumstance where they have a paid off mortgage to be in is that um, a lot of the time, a lot of the time, sorry, kind of slurred my word there. <laughs> um, they're downsizing, yeah. either downsizing or, um, you know, some people need to get into a home, you know, like those types of things. And so if they're selling their property that they have paid off, it might be to buy a condo and put money in the bank to kind of, um, you know, essentially live off. Mm -hmm. Um, And then so that, so they, they may need a portion of that to make their next move. And then, you know, it would be beneficial for them to have that extra money sitting in the bank working for them they could possibly live off the interest payments. But again, that comes down to an education component. Absolutely. And like, I I think of, you know, like that's almost exactly what um, my mom did. She sold her house, bought a condo, and then invested the rest of the money sitting in her bank account with us and sent her, keep sending her nice interest payments. Like such a smart position to be in. Like why live off of that money when you could live off of the interest payments (laughs) investing it? Right? Like brilliant. My, oh, you guys can't see me. My hands are up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, otherwise, that money's just dwindling and it's gone pretty quickly these days. Right. There are, yeah, there are quite a few people um, from previous generations, older generations, who believe that we just need a large chunk of money and I will live off of that money. Yeah. Meaning I will deplete that money and I should have enough until I die. Yeah. Uh, they don't understand, you know, that you can. You can live off the interest from that property, the dividends. Yeah. Right. And some people invest into businesses and they live off the dividends. But there's also a way of, you know, like Gabby said, private lending. I mean, private lending is like a very low risk investment with an amazing return. Yeah. And I mean, that's always been my plan is to be a lender. I don't I don't want to own rental properties for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys. I've said this a bunch of times. Um, rental properties are a great way to build wealth. But I do not want to be 55 hearing tenant stories. I don't. Yeah. No, thank you. It's not what I'm interested in. Yeah. When, when I want, and trust me, I'm living my best life right now, even though I'm, I'm complaining about it and I'm tired and, and it was the hardest two weeks. I'm living my best life because I love this shit. I love problems and I love solving them. Sorry, I hate problems and I love solving them. Um, it's just what I'm good at. I and I love growing. I love growing businesses. I love creating things and then, you know, automating them and creating something else. Right. That's, that's what, that's what fulfills me. So I'm happy right now, but managing rental properties, managing my businesses is not what I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. So that is not a business that I want to be holding long-term when I don't need to be. If I had a million dollars, okay, I would much rather lend it out at 10% every year, okay, or 12% like 12, every year, sorry, yeah. <laughs> 12, easy math, and make $100,000 a year in passive income, then buy 10 houses, 10 suite of properties, and deal with 20 tenants. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying there? Yeah. Why? Yes, the return is better. If you're looking for ROI on your money, the return is better to buy rental properties. You get mortgage paid on, you get appreciation, you get cash flow. 
It's same, same, small, different. It's, it's, sorry, it's just like it's, it's much better. It's much better than just getting the interest, the twelve percent interest every year. But when you get to a point where you don't need that ROI anymore and you have all the cash that you need, just keep it simple. So you know, consider that. You know, think about when you're when you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your investment. You know. Yes, not only it's not it's not just about what makes the most amount of money. It's also what suits your lifestyle Mm -hmm. and what you want to be doing. Yeah, that's I I love that you just said that because yeah, of course, holding the properties, paying down mortgages, you get like you know all those different areas of making money with a rental property, but you have a rental portfolio that needs to be managed and turned around and fixed up and tenants to the RTDRS and you can hire people for that. Sure. But you're still involved. You're still involved. You need to manage the managers and, or like, you know, if you're at the point in your life where you just want to sit back and relax and, um, you know, focus on things that you like doing and yeah, building. then there's a far less or far more passive way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I was going to add something and I forgot it. Sorry, I've, I saw an opportunity to highlight that. And I failed to take the opportunity to write my thoughts down. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's just, again, I want I want people to, to, to realize that, um, it, you know what? And I'm, gonna, I'm not trying to tell people that, that real estate investing is, is, is not good. I think it's a great wealth creator. Mm-hmm. And the reason... You, you can't become, I'm sorry, I, I wish you all could be private lenders right now, but guess what? You don't have money. I'm fairly certain that everyone listening, um, very less than 1% have over a million dollars sitting in the bank right now where they can do that right now today. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you need to build that wealth first in order to have the ability, the capability to have a more passive, you know, business structure. Mm-hmm. But everything, everything you hear about, you know, rental properties and everything else is true. It's just, it's you, you, it's, it's all sucks. It sucks. It's not fun. Um, but it's worth it to build the wealth to give you more opportunities in the future. And then you can choose whether you want to be involved or not, or you can choose to use that cash and, and think like a rich person and invest it into different things, different things that are going to be a lot more passive. Right. But you got to put in the work first. Mm-hmm. And I'm so incredibly grateful that this opportunity was presented to us, you know, 10 years ago and that it's being presented to you today. It's an opportunity that not a lot of people around the world have mm-hmm. to be able to get into it, to be able to to leverage, you know, things like wholesaling, to, to be able to leverage things like fix and flips, to be able to have, you know, an amazing private lender, out of, you know, out of Canada, Calvert, that allows you to get mortgages for $10,000 down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To be able to do agreement for sales, to be able to find people who are in situations and provide them solutions and acquire properties for little to no money down. All of ours were no money down, right? That's opportunities that you have that not a lot of people do. And opportunities that you have because you just happen to stumble upon some podcast or you just happen to stumble upon some meetup and then you saw this podcast or you saw Barry McGuire speak and you learned about it. There's opportunities that like a large percentage of Canada don't even know exist. Yeah. Right. And people ask me all the time. This I remember what I was going to say earlier. They asked me, oh, Wayne, well, if agreement for sales are so good, why don't you do them? I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> you want to know why I don't want to? Because it's 
they're higher risk deals because of course you're getting into it for little to no money down, right? You, you like you're, you're, uh, it, there's not as much cash flow involved in them, but I, I utilize them as a tool in order to build my portfolio earlier on. Right. Yeah. See, I did them earlier on when I needed them and I built the wealth and now I don't do them anymore. Right. But they're amazing for people who are getting started or are kind of a couple of years in who can, who can leverage this to make more money, to build up their net worth, to make that cash and then put it into things that are more passive. Right. So the reason why I don't do them anymore is because it'd be dumb. Why would I waste my time and my energy focusing on things like that when I could be taking my cash and my resources to put it into more passive things that provide me a better life? Yeah. Anyone who continues to do agreement for sales years later, I don't know. It just, it, it seems dumb to me. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just live your best life? And that's what I'm doing. I'm doing things that I want to do every day. Right? I think that's that's the outcome that we're all looking for. It's not to create more money. It's to get to the point where you can live your best life and do the things that you want to do every day. And that's what I'm doing. That's what Gabby's doing. Yeah. But as far as agreeing, so I don't want I don't want the um I don't want the fact that Gabby and I don't do agreement for sales anymore to be the reason why someone doesn't pursue that or VTBs. Just understand that everybody is on a different path and everybody is on a different stage different stage in their path mm -hmm. right and and stop comparing yourself to other people and just look at the look at what you have and look at what you want and is this something that can help you get there mm -hmm. right look at all these strategies under that lens or under that perspective yeah and then when it comes and when your circumstances change where where you're at changes and you have more resources and you can do it a better and a more effective and productive way then change adapt right and that's what roadmaps are all about, figuring out what you have right now, what you can do, what you need to do in order to get to the next stage. And that's what we did. Bought properties on our own, found joint venture partners, did agreement for sales, got more joint venture partners, got money, did burrs, got more money, did fix and flips, started a seller financing business. That's it. Feel, feel free to follow the yellow brick road if you want or figure out your own way to do it. But that's that's it. We do not do agreement for sales anymore. If someone came up to me and said, I got this amazing deal, zero money down, 10 years, I'd say, uh, you know what? Uh, here, I'll pass it on to one of my mentees. Yeah. Hey, I've got $300,000. I really want to buy an investment property with you. I'm not buying any rental properties right now, but here, um, go talk to uh, such and such, one of my mentees. Uh, they'll take good care of you. I've been training them. They're great. You know what I mean? Doesn't fit. Doesn't fit what I'm doing right now. Yeah. So, um, but I do promise you that agree if had I not learned about agreement for sales and BTBs, I would not be here today. Yeah. That is an absolute fact. Yeah. yeah. Well, 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 we're three minutes over. And we need to get our kid off to summer camp so that we can get ready and go sign some papers. Maybe we got some time for some tacos. What do you say? <laughs> It's my mama's birthday today, so we'll have to either take her out for tacos or swing by. With tacos. With tacos. <laughs> okay, guys. Have a great day, you guys. Adios. Thanks for listening. 
to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com. 